quick note regarding this episode's audio. You may assume that Jesper's cavernous sound quality was due to him stupidly forgetting to test his mic settings before recording. The truth is that he journeyed all the way to India with his laptop and microphone to record this very special episode from within the actual Temples of Doom. We should in fact be celebrating his fucking terrible audio and commitment to realism. Also, Bjorn drank far too much monkey brains last night and claims to be suffering from a hangover. Now on with the podcast. It all begins with a tense negotiation gone wrong. We arrive during 1935 in a swanky Shanghai nightclub. Unbeknownst to our handsome hero, dangerous crime boss Lao Chi has plans to murder him. In the blink of an eye, all hell breaks loose and our hero has no choice but to make a daring escape. Teaming up with a beautiful club singer and an energetic young sidekick, our hero finds himself flung into a wild, out-of-control adventure from China, across the Himalayas and deep into the heart of India. It's here, in the small village of Mayapur, that we learn of stolen sacred stones and of kidnapped children. Our heroes will explore jungles, a beautiful palace, they'll try to survive dangerous tombs and encounter human sacrifices being made by a villainous cult. With some of the best set pieces in cinematic history, and a tale that flirts between comedy, action and sheer fucking terror, we are about to embark upon one of the most spectacular, exciting and truly enjoyable adventure films of the 1980s. This is Indiana Jones. And today we'll be visiting the Temple of Doom. Hello. We are The Last Hello. Action Heroes, and this is our podcast about awesome retro action hero cinema. Before we jump into this episode, I'd like to introduce you to our usual pod squad. Um, I'm trademarking that one. <laughs> so today with me, I've got Dan, who will be Dandy Dana Jones. <laughs> <laughs> suddenly sounds so much camper there. Yeah. <laughs> We've got Jesper, who honestly, I didn't come up with another name, but I was thinking of Dan more, and I thought he could have been the evil villain Mola Dan. <laughs> We've got Bjorn, who is going to stay as Bjorn, and our heroes could have travelled to Dancot Palace. <laughs> and, and I'll be Leon, but I'd also considered Indy Dana Jones and the Temple of Dan. <laughs> <laughs> So basically, this episode is all about the dance. I'm the only one who's got a fantastic name for this film. <laughs> um, also, a shout out to Henrik, who's our silent fifth member and edits our podcasts. And I've got no more Dan puns. <laughs> um, You've used them all up. That great. <laughs> That's it. I've burnt out the, the podcast over to you guys. Um, so right. if you'd like to chat to us about today's episode, because you think we're full of shit and our opinions are wrong, Gary, I know you're listening. Uh, you can you can find us on Twitter at tl underscore action heroes or on Instagram at the last action heroes podcast. And as always, if you can spare a few minutes, then we'd really appreciate a review on Apple's podcasts, Spotify, whatever it is you listen to. So 
Temple of Doom. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom is a 1984 action-adventure film directed by Steven Spielberg. And I've just done something to my notes and they've all disappeared, but I'm totally not reading this. <laughs> it's a 1984 action-adventure film directed by Steven Spielberg and produced by George Lucas. For the purists, it's the second film of the Indiana Jones trilogy or, or the second of the quadrilogy for those of you who don't deserve to have your own opinions. Um, highlighting a few of the main stars of Temple of Doom, we have 80s beefcake and heartthrob Harrison Ford as the heroic archaeologist Indiana Jones. Kate Capshaw as Willie Scott, the nightclub singer, diva and perpetual damsel in distress. Ki Hai Kwan as Short Round, who is Indy's young sidekick and tiny ball of relentless energy. Amish Puri as the evil Mola Dan, a terrifying dark priest with a penchant for sacrificing humans to his goddess Kali. And Raj Singh, a young Maharaja who becomes a real pain in the side for Indiana Jones. See what I did there? <laughs> um, before we jump into our first scene I'm going to hand it over to you guys to talk about Indiana Jones the Temple of Doom and what we thought of this film this is absolutely one of the quintessential I don't know defining cinema moments in my childhood mm -hmm. for uh, a lot of right reasons but also for some of the wrong reasons especially because the one that I saw was the original unedited for TV version that someone had taped and gotten on a tape and we were watching at a children's birthday party when we were about eight or nine and all the gory details of that particular human sacrifice scene would stay with me still stays with me forever and ever and yeah it was just like this is so cool yet also so gross <laughs> so cool. um so yeah this is like in this is like indiana jones at his best uh, i think also the first indiana jones movie i ever watched yeah nice yeah, this one is a uh, personal favourite of mine. I know that it's was generally favoured to be the uh, the worst of the trilogy, but um, it's always been my favourite. Um, yeah, and it's actually the first one uh, I showed my kids. They've only done two of the films. We've not done Raiders because I actually feel Raiders is possibly not good for them because of the whole ending sequence, you know, melting heads, blah, and all that stuff. Mm. Um, but heart ripping is fine. <laughs> yeah, we watched this one, and I watched it with my wife, and she hadn't really seen it. And we got to the whole part of you know human sacrifice and all this stuff and she just gave me this really disapproving look and she's like is this going to get fun again because right now this really isn't fun and i was like yeah it's gonna pick up it's like, no no this is so it. much fun yeah. i mean the kids might not sleep again but this is so much fun yeah. they fucking so love it. it they love it honestly ollie was trying to watch it yeah. when i was watching it last night he was peeking out his bedroom door trying to sneakily watch it kalima <laughs> <laughs> Bjorn, yeah. have you got any thoughts on... Yeah, Indy? I mean, I think this was also the, the first Indiana Jones for me. Um, well, I remember, you know, the, the, obviously the stone uh, trap in... Is that Raiders? Mm -hmm. That's uh, Raiders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and then I remember the, the heart, uh, heart, taking out the heart from the body. Om uh, and, and, and the bugs, <laughs> you know, and the, the monkey brains. Um that's sort of my uh yeah what uh, my indiana jones like what's what's what i remember from them so it was nice to uh to actually watch the film and uh yeah it's a it's a good one yeah it really is something else i loved about this was um i mentioned this to you guys previously that we've watched a lot of films for this podcast and there's a an 80s aesthetic an 80s vibe to all these films but this thing is on another fucking level man like yeah. it's shot in beautiful anamorphic and like the editing and the sound and it's on it's like spielberg is head and shoulders 
above anything else we've seen. For that reason, like, I actually feel that it was hard to watch this film to analyse for the podcast because you just can't help but being drawn into it. The whole package is just so fucking well made. You just instantly pulled into it. And it's, you know, you're not, there's nothing in there that kind of suddenly pulls you out of the experience. It's, it's relentless. There's also a note I, I want to make about, um, you mentioned, Leon, about how it's filmed and it's shot, like, beautifully. And um, uh, this, I mean, a lot of the films that we've been watching, I, you know, I've been watching in HD um, uh, re-releases on, you know, streaming and DVDs and Blu-ray and stuff like that. And this one is, without doubt, one of the most the crispest transfers I've ever seen. Like, you know, I've got the Blu-ray uh, edition um of all the of all the films and it looks phenomenal like the details and everything that and even though a lot of these scenes are done in sets you know build at elstree and everything like that and on some of the older 80s movies you can see yeah, this is made from you know foam and rubber and stuff like that but even here like you know you can see the details and it just looks really fantastic you know you can't see that this is you know faked up um, so yeah. so technically this is one of the you know really beautiful films um, as well yeah, I, I'm guessing that um, Spielberg, due to her, you know, prior success, had a lot larger budget than a lot of people. But also the the craft of cinema on show here is is on another level. We've discussed before about how a lot of films these days are, you know, green screens and CGI. But you can tell that there's so much love put into every little detail of this film. Everything yeah. from like costumes to props to sets is is beautiful. This is a first sequel, I believe, as well. It is. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, unless you count James Bond. James that's Bond? not Spielberg. James Bond. That's, we did. that's not Spielberg. I know it's not Spielberg, but I, I, <laughs> yeah, that we have done. Sorry, oh. I was out. I was out uh, a bit too long in the sun yeah, last yesterday. So. <laughs> Some birds get you. Right? <laughs> uh, what I like about this film as well is it's like it's really silly, old-fashioned fun. But it's like it's got a cruel horror, wild adventure. Like it's dark, it's nasty, but it's also like really fun and ambitious. It's I feel like they've tried everything here, and it's this massive, like cooking pot of of ideas and concepts. I feel yeah. like the balance is actually really pretty damn good in this film. Like you said in the intro, you know, it, it flirts between you know adventure, comedy, and sheer terror, and it does all of those things in just the right amount. You know, you've you've got the fun and. Uh, the adventure, you know, get into Pankot, and then once you're there, it just quickly switches to this really horrific experience, and younger viewers will be like, oh, fuck, like, what the hell is this? And then it suddenly jumps back to being fun again, and it's kind of all forgotten about, so it's, yeah. Yeah, it's I nice. remember seeing this as a kid, like, I don't know, because I would have been an 80s kid, I would have seen it, and I'm, I don't remember being, like, I remember it being horror, and I, I was probably, like, spooked and scared by it, but... I, People talk about this like it was probably too much or too dark, but actually, I, I remember this film really fondly from my childhood. Yeah, same. Yeah, ab yeah absolutely. Um, I think we eventually taped it off TV, and that was the TV version with a lot of the gory bits from the sacrifice scenes were being like edited out. Uh, so that kind of you know made it a little bit easier uh, to watch. But um, the version that I've got now is to full on with no editing done, and yeah, there's a lot of scenes that are just really, really just makes me. Cringe like that. Kalima. I remember. I, I remember there was a there was a rumor that you could actually do the thing with the hand and, and pull out the heart. Like that was an actual <laughs> yeah. thing. I remember that. Yeah. Okay. Look, unless anyone. Right yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unless anybody's got any more sort of like really top level stuff they'd like to share, then I'll, I'll push this into the film itself. 
Shall I, shall I move forward? Are we all good? Yeah, let's go for it. We're good. Okay, so it's 1935, and we join our well-dressed hero in a glamorous Shanghai nightclub. Indiana Jones is in possession of the remains of Nohachi, an ancient Chinese emperor, that he plans to sell back to a dangerous Chinese mob. But as expected in all good action films, things are about to go sideways very quickly, and we open with a musical. Over to you guys. <laughs> I love that this musical is Anything Goes, and it really fucking does in this film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's true, actually. That's a good point. I never really thought about that. He wants a wa equal dashing, leaving ya latching, bouncing, turns the dial. Anything goes. He wang a lutu chaku chame hatching, sushi shala fong yeni thawi But yeah, also just starting a movie like this with one of the most amazing musical tap dancing, you know, acts ever. I mean, the audience uh, in the cinema back then must have been like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. You know, just, it's, it just throws you off completely. I really uh, like it. I love great. it. It's I love that she's singing in English and she's singing, I believe, in Mandarin. Yeah. And it's yeah. like just this super fun intro. I read that this was one of the, sorry, Dan, I read some, one of the reasons why she, uh, the prerequisites for her to, to take this role but this was that she wanted to do that uh, performance because she was an actual, um, you know, uh, theater actor, I think. Okay, right. Theater, yeah. One of the things that always confused me when I was a kid is there's obviously people in the uh, the club restaurant, you know, watching her do this performance, and she disappears into that dragon mouth, and there's all this stuff just going on in another room that they probably can't yeah. see. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's you know what? Really what weird. Watching that and thinking in ha- like in filmmaking terms, I actually really liked that that she was on stage in a club, and yeah. the camera sort of follows her through this dragon's mouth, and then it opens up into this big Broadway experience, yeah. and <laughs> yeah. then she walks back through the dragon's mouth, and we're back in the club, and I just yeah. thought that was a really nice transition. It's cool. Apparently really they great. did it because um, they just decided to open with a musical and Spielberg had always really wanted to make a musical. So that was his opportunity to do it. So. Nice. <laughs> okay, so look, we've got a diamond deal. We're in a club. There's this kind of 1930s vibe. India's dressed as Sean Connery yeah. from Goldfinger. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, th- this diamond deal is about to go down. You know, how, wh- what are our thoughts here? How does this go for you? So... Funny story, but when I was watching uh, this for the very, very first time, I got the completely opposite end of the stick because we were at this birthday party and some of the kids were watching this movie and some of us were in a, another room playing with the Commodore 64 playing oh, games. You know, and I was sort of running like back and forwards. So I never really got sort of, you know, the whole movie. And I and I ran in to see well, what was going on uh, in the movie. And uh, I completely got the other end of the stick because I thought that Indiana Jones here was the bad guy because, you know, he was being all browly. He was, you know, threatening Willie and everything like that. And I was like, oh, he looks like the bad guy. And then I ran out again. So when I then came back later to see that he was still in there and I was like, but who is this guy? So I got the complete uh, opposite end of the, the stick there. So I got really confused. There's a lovely little um, flashback moment there where when it starts, Willie is singing Anything Goes. And there's a moment where they pull a gun on Indy. So he grabs Willie Scott and holds like a like a meat fork against her chest as if he's going to kill her. Yeah. And he says, you know, anything goes. And I was like, oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Can I just dwell on the diamond a little bit? Yeah, please do. So the, the diamond that he's making uh, a play for, you know, the thing that he's chasing here, um, there's actually, if you dig into, there was a, a Temple of Doom junior novel that was released. Um, not sure the film, which kind of elaborates on that a little bit. Uh, and then they also made uh, the Young Indiana Jones Adventures. And the diamond he's after is actually known as the Peacock's Eye. 
uh, and it was believed to have been one of two diamonds that were set in a statue of a peacock during the time of Alexander the Great. So it belonged to Alexander the Great. Um, but when he died, um, his empire kind of fell into um, lots of civil wars, which broke up you know, his empire. Uh, and lots of stuff was destroyed, including this statue. And one of those diamonds was destroyed. So it now makes the other one even more fucking valuable. Uh, and in the Young Indiana Jones series, he'd actually been looking for this diamond for a long time and had never found it. So at the point then when you have it in this film, he's actually, you can see that uh, as a character arc, you know, he's he's known for being a bit of a stubborn bastard. Um, he's obviously been chasing this thing his whole life and it's not something he's prepared to let go. And it's something Very they cool. would also do in Crusade later on with the cross in the whole intro there as well. He finds the cross and then again, you see him as an adult chasing Nice continuity. Yeah, Very cool. It was cool. So look, I want to scale this up a little bit because in this scene we've got uh, what we got. We're introducing characters. There's a poisoning. There's chaos to get an antidote. There's a, a gunfight. There's killings. You know, let's uh, let's sort of scale up a bit and think about this scene as a whole. Did anyone catch that uh, Lao Che, so the, the bad guy he's doing the diamond for, mm. uh, is actually Roy Chow who was in Bloodsport? Yeah, again, <laughs> oh, another yeah. friend of the podcast. Yeah. He played the um, Master Tanaka That's in right. Master so, Tanaka, yeah. If no we way, go in that. the last action heroes uh, cinematic universe, so clearly after this, he must have uh, put his gangster, uh, you know, life uh, behind. He <laughs> then came to the U.S. to grow to grow fish, and that's where he met um, Frank Dukes in Bloodsport. <laughs> uh, that's my story, and I'm it all comes together. Yeah. It all comes yeah. together. He lost <laughs> his fortune by Jones, you know, losing that fucking diamond. So he's yeah. going to have to just run away to the US. Exactly. <laughs> I love the diamond. When they, they throws the fucking skewer, the meat skewer. Uh, oh, that's brutal. brutal. Yeah, yeah, so really good. Brutal. Yeah. I was going to say as well, there's this really cool bit of filmmaking where you've got a large round table with what looks like a sort of rotating sushi yeah, it's a lazy season. That's it. Thank you. And um, so you've got characters on either side and they've set this up so that you'll be looking at the mobsters and they'll put something on the lazy Susan and they'll turn it and the camera follows the, yeah. the like diamond around the lazy Susan and then it's got indie framed and then he'll say his piece and he puts something on it and they turn it again and the camera repositions to frame the gangsters. And I just thought it was really cool filmmaking. You, you never stop. It's just this cool long shot that keeps pivoting yeah. around the room. Just to build on and that as well. Music. Sorry, um, go ahead. Uh, uh, the music also kind of cues in uh, yeah. with that of like little subtle, like little hint. Um, yeah, which just it adds to the intensity of um, the very last uh, moment. The very last moment as well. They just give up, rotate their table. They just fucking grab stuff across the table, which is <laughs> <Yeah>. quite funny. <laughs> and and the, the speed that this this sort of blows up is unreal. It's this yeah. really tense negotiation, and within the blink of an eye, two people are dead. There's a gang in there. There's gunfights happening there's tommy guns going off stabbings like a, a literal brawl on the dance floor as balloons mm. fall from the roof there's dancers coming pouring out apparently <laughs> it's none, amazing. none the wiser just trying to start the number and indiana jones is coming up going whoa <laughs> i love that shot that it's almost like a first person and you just see the fist coming from the bottom of the screen and hit him in the face like yeah <laughs> so good. Yeah, that's true and then he spins around and he what decks the cigarette yeah. <laughs> you okay us I love how they introduce the characters as well. That that Willie Scott is is totally sort of obsessed by this diamond, and she's so, you know, almost shallow, and he <laughs> is totally obsessed by the antidote. And then they're both fighting their way through the scene, and all she gives a shit about is the diamond, and all he gives a shit about is the antidote. And it, yeah, it's funny watching mm. it from both sides. It's something that echoes in her character a bit later. We'll probably get into it, but she basically comes out and says, "I think the Maharaja is swimming in loot," and instantly fancies herself as his wife. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. It's a gold digger. 
That's what she <laughs> yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Or a diamond digger. A diamond digger. <laughs> you know, there's there's comments. There's a lot of comments about this film. How um, Willie Scott is, you know, a useless character. And I know in other films we've said about women not having a, you know, a, a, a purpose or a part with any intention. And in this, she is a damsel in distress. She's selfish. She's a diva. But watching this film, it it didn't actually feel like it was grounded in reality to me. It feels like a comic book film, like everything yeah. is silly and over the top. Okay. And I actually really, really like Willie Scott in this. I love that she's oh. just this sort of absolute diva <laughs> at all times. Yeah, she's yeah. the comedy for sure. And she does she's it the fish out, out of water. And uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I think she's an amazing character and just the, the tantrum she goes into, <laughs> uh, you know, I yeah. just are legendary. Just love it. The, you guys, say she's uh, a damsel in distress as well. They really fucking put her through the ringer in this film. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> really do. Did you guys on, spot that the name of the club is called, is uh, yeah. Club Obi-Wan? Amazing. Yeah. 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 Nice. Yeah. Nice Star Wars reference. And the car that they flee in, the number plate is C-3PO. Mm. Oh, I missed that. No, nice. I missed that one. Not, I just made that's that awesome. up. It's a lie. Ah, oh. <laughs> yeah. oh. so it's the Star Wars fans. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Ooh, there are actually more Star Wars references in there in the sound effects. Um, yeah. Uh, so, so, so they got this propeller. We're jumping ahead, but when they go into this propeller plane, when it starts to run out, the engine sound stalling is that of the Millennium Falcon stalling in Empire Strikes Back. That one is <laughs> really yeah, noticeable well. as well. It sounds yeah, great, yeah. How many uh, Wilhelm screams did you, did you spot? So apparently there's uh, I think three. Four, like three or four, four yeah. yeah. Appar- apparently, <laughs> Willie Scott screams 72 times in this film. <laughs> oh, it's a scream count. It's like, yeah, it's like a scream count. I was wondering yeah. if Dan was going to do a count like his kill count. <laughs> okay, I'm so they, they're, they're in this uh, bar scene, all hell's broken loose, and Indy's had to flee. And then he crashes through the roof of a car. And there's also an amazing car chase. I mean, has anyone got anything to say about the car chase with Short Round or I'll keep pushing us forward? Uh, I have- oh, short Round just in general. Yeah. I mean, he's like this streetwise little, um, you know, like you say, you know, this little bundle of energy. And, you know, he's yeah. driving this car, which is clearly too big for him. He's got these little wooden blocks that yeah. are tied to, to his shoes so that he can reach the pedals. And he's just having a he's like a 50 year old old man stuck in the body of a 12 year old boy <laughs> it's just... I, was, I was so envious of Kihui Kwan as a kid because oh, yeah. he was just like in this and Goonies which were two mm. massive you know films of my childhood just getting to do all these fucking cool adventures I was like that's what I want to be doing yeah <laughs> it's funny how he's in this film clearly to sort of in filmmaking terms to entice families and children to watch it but then they mm. made it such a dark horror yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. He's his, his role though, like his relationship with Indy is kind of the emotional crux of this film, I think. They have a beautiful relationship in this, yeah. which I'm sure we'll talk about later. But they really do, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's really nice. Okay, and it feels genuine too, which I think is you know does, quite an yeah. achievement. Yeah. So having made a lucky escape from uh, Lao Chi's uh, bar. And then getting on Lao Chi's aeroplane. <laughs> By accident, we hope. Thanks, um, Dan Aykroyd. Yeah. yeah. You know what? That blows my mind that that's Dan Aykroyd. You know, just yeah. I, I didn't realise that until, um, you know, um, you know, like a long time after I'd watched it first. And it's Dan Aykroyd. And mm. I'm like, what? Like, I did not realise that. And I've seen this movie a lot of times. It I think it's because they were nearby filming Ghostbusters. It must have been, yeah. Because, I mean, uh, like... I was always wondering, like, was he supposed to have had a bigger role? But clearly he's meant as a cameo. Apparently in that same scene, Spielberg and Lucas are also in the background as dressed as missionaries at the airport. Cool. Um, apparently so. <laughs> nice. so, yeah, it must have just been a, been a cameo. But 
still a really great fun character. Um, I, um, I think only gets like what ten seconds of screen time, if but uh, it'd be interesting to see sort of what sort of what more he could have been. Maybe. Okay. So having made a lucky escape from Lao Chi's aeroplane, which saw Indy, Willy and Short Round hurtling down snow-capped mountains on an emergency inflatable raft, only to plummet off a cliff face and land in a terrifyingly thunderous whitewater river, the trio now find themselves in India. It's here we discover a town in extreme poverty in which some holy stones have been stolen, their children kidnapped and their land cursed. Indiana Jones, being the action hero the world deserves, offers to journey to Pancot Palace, to Dancot Palace, <laughs> to retrieve the Shankara stones and bring peace back to the townsfolk. It's during our journey to Pancot Palace that I'd like us to talk about our next scene. We've got the elephant ride to the palace. We've got um, poor Willie being terrorised every opportunity and we've got some relationship building. Would anyone like to pick it up from here? Can I just, um, I know we're not covering the, the water scene, but there's just a, a favourite Willie moment of mine in that where she drops this line. She's like, I hate the water. I hate getting wet. And I hate you. Like her voice is changing. It just floors me every time. It's <laughs> a great moment. So, like this high pitched squeaky voice, and then the eight of you, Indiana Jones, you. Yeah. You're right, that floors me. That floors me too. It's great. <laughs> I think for me, um, one of the things I really latched onto this time of viewing, and obviously we're watching with a slightly more analytical view, but the, t- the shift in tone, like the first way, it's like 15 minutes like off the movie has been action on action and Indy sort of getting out of one super dangerous, ridiculous uh, situation like after another. And then once they hit the uh, river, they kind of make it through and the current kind of slows down. The tone shifts to sort of from like this high octane action to sort of this dark and moody and um was it like this really um it was like this really intense kind of sense of like dread sombra. And fear uh, throughout the uh, sombra yeah. yeah and it kind of carries on until they arrive at panko which i think is you know quite great and you know it really works very moody yeah the the film is very good at sort of um pivoting incredibly quickly from action to horror to you know intensity to fun it's it's a talent this mm. film has for sure yeah um i, I really enjoyed during this their journey to pancot that like just poor willie scott like this is why i wanted to talk about this scene this poor girl like indian short round are just getting on with life you know they're adventurous they know how this works but this girl is struggling with snakes and bugs and you know <laughs> everything yeah i love that she's running around their little encampment screaming and then indy's like the biggest trouble with her is the noise yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's ah! and she's and she's still carrying that beloved dress of hers yeah. with her you know? yeah <laughs> well it's all she had to have when he, when he basically abducted her from this place that's all she had so she's basically relying on like other people's clothes all the way through this film yeah yeah i really like that really funny moment when when she's being knocked off the elephant and she's sitting there like in the water and she's just like given up and she's just like rambling over like i had a little house with my guys <laughs> and it's just like i mean i'm sure we've all been in situations where we kind of know how she feels like you know the, this day is just going from bad to worse and you just want to go home and just sit and just out of the world and yeah I really sympathise with it that amazing moment as well where she's like she's totally over it and she thinks the elephant trunk is around her neck but it's the snake yeah. and we get yeah. the flashback from Raiders where we now know that Indy is fucking terrified of snakes oh, yeah. and as it wraps around her neck she's over it just grabs this python and throws it and Indy goes into a minor panic like a little freak out <laughs> in the corner she threw that snake for real yeah. yeah Oh wow. it's amazing 
There's an interesting bit of uh, trivia there because apparently they had a much bigger scene when she falls into the lake and there's a big snake there and she's supposed to sort of be on a wrangling it or touching it and uh, Kate Capshaw is terrified of snakes and she just would not do it, she could not do it and Spielboy kind of took pity on her um, and said, okay, we'll cut that scene out. Um, but then when they were filming this scene, which apparently the way of shooting was much later, they were, they were doing this as part of pickups in, um, in Pinewood Studios or, or sorry, uh, Elsby Studios. And there she clearly kind of won over her fear of snakes. And then, you know, she was persuaded to actually grab that snake and actually uh, actually throw it. So even as a person, you know, she clearly evolved um, through the work on this film. Nice. Nice. Bjorn, how are you doing, man? I know that your Good. sunburn's kicking in and you're incredibly quiet. Did you, <laughs> should we keep going or do you really do you want to join? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm good. I'm good. Okay, cool. Um, so what, <laughs> what else I love about this scene is... Um, I think the film is really good at continually teaching you about the characters. And I love that in this scene, you've got um, Indiana Jones who gets on with it. He spends his time learning about where they are. And you can tell that he's an archaeologist and an adventurer. He takes it all in his stride. He's riding elephants. You know, he's making bonfires. I love that Willie Scott is now completely this person out of her depth. She's a city girl and they've just dropped her in the world. And she's fallen to pieces. And I love that Short Round has become like a a sneaky, crafty little b bastard who's mm. like a little trickster and that's how him and Indy met. Yeah. Yeah. Ha ha, very funny. <laughs> there's, there's an interesting thing here as well. So uh, you, we get some of the exposition on how they met. You know, Indy says that he met Short Round trying to um, pickpocket him, uh, that he was an orphan uh, and that Indy took him in. But in the, in the junior novel, it actually says that the, uh, the guy who was in the restaurant with Indy at the start of the film who gets shot is the one who took short round in so that technically means he's been orphaned twice um <laughs> oh, and there's no mention of that in the film like you don't you don't kind of know like whether he maybe told him later like oh by the way that other mm. guy i was with he's, yeah he's dead <laughs> i love i love that in the film when shit is the fan as well short round always refers to india as his best friend mm. and it's not mm. like a father-son thing like they are best friends they're almost equals you know yeah. they're both adventurers and I, I quite like that that it's not like grown up and kid it's just two best friends. Yeah. I think that really shines through in that poker scene of, you know, Willie's being mm. terrified by all the um, animals and creepy crawlies and everything. She's running around and they're complaining about her screaming and they're having an argument about who's cheating in cards. And, yeah. you know, it's not like a, a dad who's telling off a child, like, you know, short round is giving as good as he gets and, you know, kind of. Yeah, <laughs> totally. It's a great scene. <laughs> Shorty's family were killed when the Japanese bombed Shanghai. He's been living on the streets since he was four. I caught him trying to pick my pocket. Didn't I, short stuff? The biggest trouble with her is the noise. Hey, you cheat, Dr. Jones. You cheat. Beautiful car. Sweetheart. 
Okay, so look, um, after a brief journey through the jungle, we arrive at Pankot Palace, where we're introduced to the Maharaja, and we learn about the Thuggy, who are these sort of, let's call them the, the villainous cult of the film. Uh, and our heroes are given a royal banquet of local delicacies. And I, th <laughs> I thought we might want to chat about this. So who would like to start uh, referencing the banquet? Well, yeah, Jasper, you, you, you said that you were really grossed out by it. But for me, I mean, it looks kind of tasty to me. <laughs> Is that what you have for dinner on a Saturday night? Yeah, but you know, <laughs> like... It, it looks it looks good. I mean, it's like custard and uh, like jam. Um, it's not. It's chilled monkey brains. <laughs> so I don't. So I personally, I hate custard, and I don't know what's worse about this scene is that it's supposed to be like beetles and monkey brains they're eating, or the fact that it's actual custard, you know, with food coloring and jam on it. Yeah. And, I, and you still want to eat it? Just gross me out. They, they got a bit uh, criticized for this scene, though, for for like showing it that like that that's what Indian people eats uh, yeah that was actually it's uh, just a bit of fun though isn't it i think yeah. the whole thing was supposed to be a practical joke i don't think anyone willingly goes in thinking that that's what indian people eat so true, true. I, I really yeah. like how how silly and over the top it is like yeah. it's literally there to torture willie scott again <laughs> okay. like when they bring the first course out and it's it's snake surprise <laughs> and it's this huge snake around a skewer which is bad enough but then they cut the snake open there are more snakes yeah. inside it and it's just like this ridiculous extreme yeah it's crazy it kind of just made me wonder i mean i, I mean yes i'm sure they put it in for comedy um effect and just to torture poor willie but I mean, is there any truth to any of the food here? Like, is this no. things that people, they actually eat? Most Hindu people would be vegetarian, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's true, actually, yeah. All right, so let's, let's run it through the, the meal. We, we get a starter of snake surprise, which is essentially a dead pregnant snake that has live babies, which they eat, <laughs> uh, followed by, uh, you know, a very healthy meal of uh, bug abdomens. Um, the the way nice. he peels that off as well, <laughs> and that gloopy bug inside that he eats. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you then have got a, a choice of uh, eyeball soup, if you don't want the mains, uh, followed by a very nice dessert, dessert of uh, chilled... Yeah. Monkey brains. Monkey so um, brains. I'm going to put it to you guys. Wh which of these would you eat? Oh, monkey brain, for sure. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think if I had to, if I had to, it would have to be the Beatles because there doesn't seem to be that much of it. Um, <laughs> and so you can quickly just kind of, you know, do that and um, get rid of it. I think I would go with the Beatles as well. Yeah, just to get it done, man. <laughs> well, yeah, the eyeball it's super, it's kind of in, in fashion now. You know, eating bugs. It's good for, yeah, good for the planet. It's like, like superfood, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super, yeah. yeah. I'd have gone with the eyeball soup, I think. Like, when she smells it, the aroma smells nice. She's only put off by the fact it's got eyeballs. You could eat around yeah. that shit. It'd be fine. Yeah. <laughs> Just eat around the eyeballs. Dan. You I love how the, the, fat guy, the, eyeballs. the fat guy next to her, her is just, like, completely digging in. He's he like, is. oh, yeah. man, this is my favourite. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, when, the, when they bring the monkeys out, she's looking forward to dessert, and they take the top off, and he digs into the chilled monkey brains, and that lovely moment where Willie Scott's eyes just roll back into his face <laughs> off the chair. <laughs> I love, so in the journey to Pankot, she's on the elephant and she's complaining because it smells and she's putting a perfume on the elephant to reduce, you know, to make it smell better. And if mm. there's a shot in that actual scene, the guy that she's sat next to, just a quick shot, she's putting her perfume on him as well because he obviously smells bad. <laughs> <laughs> so good. And this scene as well, like you were saying, we, we don't need to go into depth, but where she, 
she realizes the Maharaja has this palace and all these jewels and riches. And she immediately turns into flirt mode because she's that gold digger and he comes out and he's like a sort of 12 year old yeah. boy. I and love, she's fucking gutted. I love short oh, rounds. Like, maybe he likes older women. It's yeah. just like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so good. Oh man, short rounds. Okay, so look, after dinner, some outrageous flirt in between Indy and Willie. <laughs> A quick snog followed by an immediate breakup. And I like to call the this victim. the sex standoff because it's basically <laughs> what it is. Yeah. Perfect description. Uh, and then Indy becoming the victim of an attempted murder. Our adventurers discover a hidden passage and their first glimpse of the darker happenings below the surface. But as they journey deeper into the depths of the palace, they must first navigate the terrifying steps of Shiva. And this is our, I suppose, the first like. Indiana Jones temple moment. What are our thoughts? This is a great sequence. Like this is, like you said, like this is in this is Indiana Jones being Indiana Jones, right? You know, we've got bugs and creepy crawlies. We've got you know skeletons are popping out of you know hidden passageways. We've got um, traps. slime and dank and death traps and spikes coming down. And ah, oh, man, it's a great scene. Yeah, I agree. Th it. This feels very much like the blueprint for, in fact, this film in general for things like Tomb Raider and Uncharted and all those Absolutely. games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Watching this, it's like, look, this is where everyone got it from. I think yeah. the, that the, the whole bugs scene is such a great <clears throat> reveal as well because, you know, they're, you know, um, um, Shorty and um, Indy are sort of crawling through and, you know, they, they're clearly, they're stepping on something. They don't know exactly sort of what it is. And you, the audience, aren't exactly sure what it is because you haven't had a hint of it um, or anything. And then he flicks this match and they look down like on the floor and it's crawling mm. with bugs. They're crawling like all over them. and um, Like, a, yeah, like the walls like, and the floor are moving. There's yeah. that many. It's like, like exactly, a like sea the whole of thing bugs. Is moving. Yeah. yeah, apparently and, the, the bugs got away and like they got into like places they shouldn't be because they just dumped a <laughs> shit ton of bugs, you know, uh, on the set. Imagine how chaotic yeah. that was. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> like hundreds of thousands of bugs everywhere. Yeah. Oh man, there's no one wants to be in that room. Like, <laughs> at all. <laughs> yeah. What I really like here as well is, um, what would you call it? Short round has like a, a series of calamities. <laughs> Indiana Jones, yeah. immediately, he knows tombs. He knows they're full of traps and how they work. So he says, Shorty, don't touch anything. And Shorty immediately leans out and touches something and all the skeletons come out. Then he's like, okay, Shorty, follow my steps exactly. <laughs> and he doesn't and steps on a switch and starts a trap. <laughs> and then Indy's like, okay, look, just stand over there. And he leans on another switch yeah. and like locks him in. And it's just like, I don't know, calamity after calamity. Yeah, it's very, for that very poor comical. Kid. We, we said that their relationship is, you know, not a parent, you know, father son relationship. It's a friendship relationship. But that moment is a father and son relationship. <laughs> yeah, <it's> funny, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's also like Shorty's comeback, like when he's accidentally, you know, leaned against this switch. And, you know, he, you know, he's jumping back into his defense going, You told me to stand there, like right there. Yeah. And there was a switch. It's not my fault. You yeah. just know Indy's like, Oh, fucking kids. Like, yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> And and how good is this trap room that they end up in? Just like, I don't know, when you think of fantasy and cinema and, and adventure films, 
this is it. And, it, you know, the guy is trapped in a room with the ceiling coming down and then spikes come out. It's just like everything escalates up and up and up. That's great. And also that, like, where the trap, like, really starts to get going, like, they've activated the, the spikes and there's one from the floor is coming up and a skeleton of a previous victim who's obviously been skewered before kind of starts to rise up and you start to think, oh, shit, the skeleton warriors <laughs> or something like that. And then, uh, like, you know, that would have been bad enough. And then, you know, it's, yeah, it's uh, the spikes. But just that play of expectations, I thought, was yeah. like, yeah, that kind of makes you jump a little bit extra, uh, I think. And as it's closing down as well, when it's nearly on them, there's that one spike that's like skewered the brim of Indy's hat. Yeah. You can just see it all <laughs> folding down on his face as it's getting closer. And yeah. if you get a proper grumpy Harrison Ford where he's like, we are going to die. And he's got like, a grumpy face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and where they're like, they are clearly going to die. Like, this is it. This is yeah. the end of their lives. And they've called Willie in to try and save yeah. them. And she's just <laughs> flustered like, oh, bugs, and I can't touch it. And he is losing his shit at her, man. Totally losing his shit. And she just can't take it. Yeah. And she's banging on one end of the door to let her in because she wants to escape the bugs. They're banging like on the other end. Uh, at the other end of the door to let them out be, um, because of the spikes and everything is again just a great little like comedy moment yeah. yeah I love that she just can't think of anyone but herself at any time <laughs> like even when their life is in danger she's more interested about her hair or her nails, nails or, or yeah. nails. broken nails oh, want broken nails <laughs> To be fair to Willie, I don't think anyone would want to be in her shoes in that particular moment. Not at all. No one would want to be doing that. (laughs) No, no, I kind of feel sorry for Willie, really, because she's just like plonked into this, you know, the complete opposite of what her life is and just has to deal with it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I kind of think that, you know, if any of us were suddenly taken from our daily lives and thrown into this madcap adventure with chilled monkey brains and spiders (laughs) and everything like that, we'd we'd probably react very much the same way. She's got that wonderful line as she's coming down in through the bug chamber in her pyjamas and she's just like, oh, I've just about had enough of you too. And it's like... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, as they're about to get skewered. (laughs) (laughs) And then, then I get all dirty again. <laughs> yeah. And there's that really nice moment as well where they, you know, that she saved the day and the trap's going up and everything's good. And then I can't remember what happens, but one of them triggers it again and it just all fucking starts again. Like, <laughs> Yeah, so she's got the bugs and she's panicking and she bends over and her butt hits the button and the whole thing yeah. just... Starts again. The music, yeah. the music ramps up again. Dun, 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 dun. It's like an early, actually picked yeah. up in tempo uh, <laughs> this time too. Just kind of really like emphasize it. It's like an early, early version of uh, "I'm a celebrity, get me out of here." Yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> I'm Willie Scott. Get me out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I, lo- I love that um, we get that indie moment as well, where they they just escape, and he drags everyone through the closing door. And his hat comes off and you just see the arm lean back in to grab the hat and like tear it for the door shuts. Yeah. Yeah. Classic moment. Gotta get the hat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Gotta get the hat. So <laughs> our heroes have escaped the spike death chamber only to discover a deeper chamber, which seems to be some kind of demonic ritual and the worship of Kali. Um, we've got a huge, wonderful set and possibly the first real absolute horror moment of the film. Who would like to sort of pick things up from here? I mean, I've said it before and, you know, still now uh, at age of 40 plus, this scene still gets me, you know, the brutality of it and the, you know, just just the horror of like the, you know, the God-sharing horror of it just, yeah, just really gets me still, you know, Mm. a great moment, but also quite a horrendous one. So it's great cinema, loving it. I mean, this temple is a scary fucking place. It's, you know, it's lit below by fiery lava. So there's red light, up light everywhere. There's skulls everywhere. There's, 
you know, demonic effigies of Carly. There's human skins flapping around in the alcoves and stuff. And yeah, this place just is terrifying. Yeah, it really, it really is. is. Yeah, <laughs> and not just like um, not I don't know when when you're a kid and you look at it on a surface level, you know, it's skulls and hearts being torn out of chests. But also this this concept that they're just pulling victims out and putting them in a cage and sacrificing humans mm. and it's just fucking dark, mm. man. Really, really dark. It's also that double of yes, it's not enough to just have your actual heart ripped out of your body. It's also the fact that you after that you don't die. Yeah. You know, you are then lowered in, uh, into this fiery pit to burn to death. So I want to I want to dwell on that because does he genuinely tear out this man's heart? Or is yes. this all smoke and illusion and uh, almost a hallucination? Because, you know, all of these cult members are, you know, they're, they're under what's known as the Black Steep of Kali. They've taken this, this blood. So is it all smoke and mirrors or does he remove this man's heart? Well, this mm. is in this is in the Anna Jones. So, no, they rip the hearts out. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, <laughs> also, this, I have no doubt that this is what they do. If you translate what um, Mola Ram is saying, at one point, I'm not going to try and say what he says, but the translation is, um, I offer a sacrifice before you. Now his life is in my hands mm -hmm. after he's pulled his heart out. So I think he has actually pulled this dude's heart out. Still alive. I don't know, it's it's just got so much happening. There's there's the sacrifice, there's all the chanting, it's like demonic, you've got the heart being torn out. Then you get this person plummeting in a cage down into the lava. There is like a really, really high layer of dread here. Yeah. And where people mm. do complain about the film possibly being a bit too dark, this has got to be the scene. Like, yeah. it is a lot to take on board. And if you're a younger viewer, yeah, yeah like the people being burned alive and stuff. This is where I started getting in trouble with my wife. <laughs> so, but like, you know, the intensity of it ramps up so much. You know, they, they, it starts off so slow. You know, they bring the guy out, they put him in the cage, you know, and then they do the kind of removing his heart but then from there it's like you get these drums out like dun 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 they're ramping up and yeah. they're lowering him down and say like, fucking hell this thing yeah, is really intense yeah. yeah Bruce and it. also props to the to the actor who plays um, uh, Mola Ram like he was mm -hmm. a really famous Bollywood actor and uh, while, while shooting this movie he was also shooting another 40 films at the Fuck same it. time Fuck yeah fucking so he was That's pretty busy whoa <laughs> <Yeah>. what a <laughs> <machine>. <laughs> Apparently, he this is really good, though. Yeah. Like you know, yeah. his you know his presence. I mean, I think it's interesting the introduction of him as the villain because we are like how far are we in the movie now? Like a good forty-ish minute. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, an hour here. Yeah. And normally, you would have had you know some inclination of this is the main guy. You know, like maybe a few scenes or something like that. But you know, he's just here, and he just. You know, he just has this presence that you just look at him and go, this is the true bad guy. Like, it's not the Maharaja, it's not his uh, minister or anything like that. Like, this is the bad guy. Um, and yeah, just that whole presence is, you know, the way he can stare at things, his voice, sort of his, yeah, just the way he carries himself. I think, you know, he's 
super terrifying. Yeah, yeah. that, that big right. evil grin as well. Also, his costume is superb. The red painted face and the huge horned um, like yeah. headpiece with the robe is, is amazing. That, that headpiece is quite interesting as well because it looks like it's a hash together of a, a shrunken head, but also the skull of a, a cow. Uh, and I believe cows are sacred in India, mm. so that in itself would be mm. pretty sacrilegious. So, Well, talking yeah, of sacrilegious, true. look, they... Apparently, a lot of this film was going to be filmed in India, but they had to move it to Sri Lanka because the Indian government were were not keen on what they were going to do. Mm. They wanted the script changed. They didn't want to mention in the Maharaja. They felt it was sacrilegious towards like Hinduism. Mm -hmm. So they actually had quite a lot of problems with the Indian government. Um, yeah, when they wanted the film. final cut of the movie as well, which was like the final, you know, uh, straw. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, that's why they ended up not shooting in, in India. And I think they shot it uh, some scenes in Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I think the yeah. film is actually banned in India. They don't show it anymore. Uh, it was banned, but they, they unbanned it, I think. Yeah. You know, cool. Because yeah. now we've all realised that cinema isn't real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah. Oh. Okay, so look. After the sacrifice, um, Indiana Jones sneakily retrieves the three holy stones from within the temple. But immediately afterwards, he hears the kidnapped children of the village in the distance. And he discovers they're now slaves being violently beaten and forced to work in a quarry deep below the Earth's surface. Um, they're searching for the remaining Shakara stones uh, and the thuggy mm. who are in control. It's at this very moment that Indy, Willie and Short Round are all discovered and captured. Um, Indiana Jones and Short Round are tortured and forced to drink the blood of Carly, enslaving their conscious and inducing a trance-like nightmare. Meanwhile, Willie Scott is about to become the thuggy's latest human sacrifice. Let's have a quick chat about the dark indie sacrifice, and then we can go into the amazing quarry fight with the Beast Man and the Maharaja. So one of the um, things that I thought, <laughs> they, they bring her out for the sacrifice, and uh, she's like, I'm not going to have anything nice to say about this place when I get home. And I just thought, Pankot's getting a bad TripAdvisor review for sure. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. One star. <laughs> One star. <laughs> uh, what I think we should talk about here, like, Bjorn, I think you mentioned this just before we started chatting for the podcast, how these scenes are where the pace has slowed down and it's become quite sort of terror. Have you got any thoughts on this at all? Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 <laughs> it's really dark. I mean, they have this like kid slaves just being like, you know, beaten with with whips and everything and there's like everyone is super evil um super evil and dark and three and, out and, of five yeah <laughs> so you know it, it's 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 not a it's it's not like the happy you know adventure kind of yeah it's pretty dark and yeah i agree um there's there's one thing uh, if i would just kind of cut in like um that, that I noticed in this unedited version um, that I've been seeing here that I didn't really notice before um, because I was watching the TV version uh, as, I, as I grew up. But in the indie torture scene where we are introduced to, um, you know, the beast man, as we call him, you know, the big burly <laughs> guard and um, uh, the voodoo doll mm. of, uh, of Henry Jones, uh, sorry, Indiana Jones, sorry. Um, and um, as they're sort of, trying to break his will by you know, throwing this this voodoo doll into the fire and Shorty is kicking the Maharaja who's actually doing this and the Maharaja gets really pissed off. So as Indy is being whipped into submission, like literally, uh, the Maharaja is also whipping short round, which I thought was, oh man, that's, yeah. that's a bit full on um, <laughs> as well. Um, so yeah, again, just really dark and uncomfortable scene. Also when, you know, Indy sort of trying to fight this 
blood of Callias, he's been forced to gulp and, uh, you know, he's breathing and writhing in pain. And again, it's uncomfortable to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. Really there's no fun in the film here at all. Mm. Like no, the first no, time no. I watched it, I was like, man, this film's so much fun. And then I watched it again last night and it, yeah, the pace has slowed down a lot, al- almost to its fault, but that's just not fun. It's all dark and it's horrible and people are being mm. tortured and punished and they're, the, the thuggy are talking about how they're going to, you know, reclaim power. And, and it's just, yeah, it's not a fun film. Something went, something went wrong. <laughs> oh, exactly. Yeah. But then it picks up. Then yeah. it picks up, yeah. yeah. Uh, feel free to continue. So, uh, yeah, so where are we? So, um, uh, so is- you started something you can't finish. Yeah, I started something I can't finish. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, uh, so Indy is under the influence of the blood of Kali and um, uh, Willie, who is strapped in, into this sacrificial um, uh, cage. I, th- I think it's um, like a barbecue grill. <laughs> <laughs> it is a barbecue grill. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so, it is, so yeah. basically she's been uh, strapped in there like a, you know, like a piece of chicken you're about to uh, have on a barbecue. And she's trying, like, desperately to talk Indy uh, uh to talk Indy uh, out of it. Luckily, she avoids having her heart uh, ripped out because apparently... Indy's already stolen that. Yeah. <laughs> He's stolen that. Oh, of course he has. Of course he has. Um, but uh, the blood of Kali is, uh, is too strong, so he, uh, he puts um, Willie in, uh, in the cage and the sacrifice, um, uh, the sacrifice ceremony uh, gets on the way and Willie is obviously not happy uh, about it. In the meantime, Shorty, who's still, I mean, this guy's got like an iron, you know, like an iron class will because he's actually trying to, is to escape, he manages, so he's been put to work in the mines, right? And then he has this, um, what was he called, like a pickaxe. And then yeah. instead of starting to, you know, hammer away at the wall, he does what seems quite obvious. He starts to hammer away like at his change, breaks them, and then manages to make an escape and makes it up into the, the temple uh, area. And then he tries to, um, to, wake up Indy um, yeah. again. and uh, So yeah. apparently think... there's a scene missing here. Um, oh, okay. oh, yeah? there, there's this really strange thing that happens that Indy is under a trance and he's going to kill Willie. And Short Round comes running up and he grabs the fire torch and he says sorry to Indy and mm. burns him to get him out of the trance. And there's just this weird thing that Short Round knows how to do that. Apparently in the quarry escape, Short Round, uh, there was a slaver down there and short round ends up setting him on fire, and you see that once the guard is on fire, the trance is broken and he becomes human again. Oh. Which is why when short round comes up into the, hmm. the the tomb with the Willy scene, he knows to burn Indy because he knows yeah. it's going to get him out of the trance because they cut the scene. What if it, they cut the scene because the why. film was already so dark yeah. at that point? Well, yeah, fire I mean, setting humans on fire is a bit much, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that, that's sorry. Yes, go ahead. Uh, um, um, just saying that I that um, I thought that's interesting because I never really sort of thought of there being something uh, missing there. Like I just thought like this is just Shorty in an act of desperation, just trying like anything he fucking can. Yeah, uh, you know. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that's how it comes across. But really, he knows what to do. Yeah, I, I, mean, I love that whole scene of short round escaping the mines. It's a wonderful little scene, um, and you know, it shows you know how you know, his his dexterity and his skills, uh, you know, as a little con artist, he's amazing. Wealthy. But I also think it's lovely that he 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 sows the seeds of rebellion and all those other yeah, children. Yeah, yeah. They're like, fuck, yeah. like, this kid can do it. I was so going to say, like, he he gives them hope, you know, 
Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Also, the, this part of the film has put um, short round on like equal footing with Indy mm-hmm. because now mm-hmm. Indy is enslaved. You know, he's been captured. So short round has to step up and become the hero. And I love that the film is willing to do that from this point onwards. In the whole film, Indy is never a, a lower class of action hero. You know, he's up there with Indy, and whatever Indy can do, he can do. Mm. It's also quite interesting that in the, uh, I mean, he must realize that Short Round can take care of himself because there's never at any point where Indy is sort of dropping what he's doing in order to go and save Short Round. Like, you know, Shorty can handle himself. So as, <clears throat> so one, so when Shorty has uh, thrown the torch at Indy and, um, and Indy has uh, woken up, he's sort of holding Shorty over the fiery pit to sort of gain some time and, and kind of let Shorty know that, you know, I'm fine. I'm okay, so what kid. He does, <laughs> um, so then what, what he does um, is instead of just sort of throwing Shorty away to safety and sort of t- him, Indy, kind of taking on all the bad guys, he actually sh- throws Shorty towards one group of bad guys yeah. to, let Shorty hand, to let Shorty handle those while Indy handles the others, which I thought, again, this kind of shows that their relationship is sort of... Mutual respect. Equal. He knows that Shorty... It's, yeah, it's exactly. a bit like, like Game of War, you know, with the, with the son, uh, Kratos and his son. God of War. God, God of, of War. War. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Poor Bjorn. <laughs> God of War, God of War, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. an interesting comparison yeah. there, actually. Uh, okay, yeah. so look, after this scene, we end up down in the quarry. And we're introduced to the Maharaja arrives and we've got this guard, you know, the beast man and Indy gets in a fight and short round gets in a fight. Uh, who would like to talk about this scene? Cause this is, this is where the action really ramps up again. You know, the horror is now gone and we're back into full on Indiana Jones mode. Yeah. So I think uh, maybe just on the beast man, as we call him or the giant guard, which I think he's called in the um, credits, he's played by um, Pat Roach, um, a British actor, making this his actual third appearance in an Indiana Jones uh, movie, because he was also the giant Sherpa and the big German soldier in Raiders. Apparently, he's also in The Last Crusade, but I can't really place him there. And apparently, he was meant to have a bigger role there, but I think that actually got cut. But he's sort of one of those, you know, him being there and being the big guard that the big guy that Indy has to kind of take care of in a very, you know, uh, one-sided match has sort of become a little bit of an in sort of sort of an Indiana Jones um, trope classic element um and it's just fun that it's him yeah, yeah. A, so it's yeah. the same guy that he fights in like all these movies <laughs> yeah. yeah pretty much yeah. dude under the plane in raiders yeah um and yeah yes but you you're right he he does appear as a, a large nazi officer in crusade and i think they had actually penned another fight scene but um for some reason cut it which is almost a shame because you then don't get that third payoff so yeah lucas yeah, and spielberg exactly. said it would have been fun to have him arrive and get killed by indy in every single indie film yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah just Nice touch. But the fight scene is great yeah. again because, like Patros, he's a massive big guy. I think he was a former wrestler um, as well. And then, you know, he makes Harrison Ford, who is, you know, quite the beefcake, but he makes him look scrawny. And yeah. they're, they're, I mean, this fight, along with their fights in um, Raiders, is just, you know, just great to watch. Like, they're, they're and they're really fun to watch. Yeah. As well. I love that the start of this fight, they they obviously clocked the film was pretty dark, so they decided to introduce another comedy moment. And the first hit of the fight, Indy hits him with that hammer and he kind of grabs it and tosses it behind his back and it just clocks that guy yeah. on the head. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. so good. Yeah, so I, like I got, the, got um, some Flash Gordon vibes there. Obviously. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does, actually. Yeah. I love that, as we were saying a minute ago, how Indian Short Round are now sort of equal adventurers as well, mm. where India's having this really struggle of a fight with the, the Beast Guard. 
and the Maharaja turns up with that little voodoo doll again and starts mm. like jabbing Indy's doll. So yeah. Indy's like struggling to fight because he's constantly in pain. So Short Round goes after the Maharaja and gets his own little adventure and action scene, mm. which is wicked. I love that. There's those dual shots where it's flicking back and forth and they're both just doing the same moves to punch it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. I love that. Too. So I, I wanted to talk about the cinematography there as well because yeah. this scene is fucking nuts, man. I noticed that they've almost every shot has got multiple layers happening. You've got short round in the foreground doing something and you can see Indy in the background in a fight or you can see Indy and Willie trying to do something and, you know, there's just, at any time, there's multiple layers happening. And yeah. I was just thinking about how hard it must have been to to just, com you know, composite, not composite, you know, compose these shots so that everything was in focus and everything was moving and, you know, those people were, doing their action scene while this person's doing his. It's just beautifully made. It's incredible. A lot of the shots in that scene as well um, were actually using Vic Armstrong, which was Harrison Ford's stunt double, because he was actually back in LA having spinal surgery. Ooh. So that yeah. Yeah. also would have had a, to have been a factor in the shooting of that scene as well. Have you seen the guy? Like, he looks uncannily like Harrison Ford. Like, he's, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I saw a signed photograph that he'd obviously given Vic, and it said, if you ever learn how to speak, I'm fucked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. There's a really cool moment in this as well where um, Short Round has given the Maharaja a little bit of a hiding and stopped him jabbing the voodoo doll. So basically, Short Round has once again saved the day. But Indy turns to him and shouts, Short Round, quit fooling around with that kid. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he saved the day multiple times by now and Indy has no idea. One of the things I thought was interesting with the Crusher fight as well is once that big dude starts to get fed into the Crusher, it grabs his sash and starts to pull him in. Indy actually makes an effort to try and save the guy. Like, he's yeah. trying to pull him out. And this, I thought it was quite an interesting... It's because it's a nasty ending, man. It's no brutal one wants to go like that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Again, that seems to be sort of one of the um, sort of the sort of the tropes um, of Indiana Jones. Like, whatever he's battling... Pat Roach, like Pat Roach, the giant guard, he always gets a very nasty yeah. end. Like he yeah. gets chopped up by a propeller in Raiders and here he gets fed into a, you know, a stone crusher. Yeah. <laughs> I love that, that long strip of blood around the way. Like he yeah. goes in and screams mm. and you just get this trail of blood going around it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so Willie kind of, you know, turns around going, ew, but Indy, who's sort of dangling up on this rope, it's also like kind of turning around going, ugh. Yeah. So even he thought that that was a little bit yeah, too it's nasty. Yeah, it's a bad, bad way to die. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Well, look, after a deadly fight and the freeing of the slaves, our trio of heroes are about to make an epic escape from the catacombs in one of Hollywood's most extravagant and exciting set pieces. We're about to embark on the infamous minecart escape. Yeah. Uh, over to you guys, Lil. I mean, it is, this, this scene, scene is just right. fucking great. So there's actually um, another yeah. scene missing here, Leon, as well. Um, so they free all the kids, and the kids all just run out of Pancot Palace. And you know, in your head, you think, well, why doesn't Indy and everyone else just do the same? And apparently, there's a, a an area that, or a scene that was missing, where there was a bridge over some lava. Uh, and as they try to go over the bridge, it collapses, and they only just manage to save short round. But it essentially means they now cannot exit through that way. So they have to yeah. now go through the minecart. Right. Mm. Interesting. Which is okay. a good thing, because otherwise we wouldn't have got this scene. Yeah. So right. Exactly. Lucky. Exactly. <laughs> Like this could easily have been one of those scenes that they would have cut because of complexity or budget like overrunning and uh, luckily uh, they didn't because you're right, this is a great scene and especially, and we've touched upon this previously, 
had this been done today, it would have been CG and yeah, it would have looked great and would have sounded cool, but you, I mean, you would not add that CG. This is 1984, mm. I think. This is all done with a mix of, you know, practical effects, models and miniatures. And it's, you know, watching it now is just as impressive as it would have been back then. Like it's an absolute masterclass of, yeah. you know, all of that put together. It must have been great to see this in the cinema. I, I love how they keep, you know, they change the, the, the rail so that you go one way or the other way and in yeah. kind of like, uh, you know, uh, innovative ways. Um, I, yeah. I get it. I get just as excited now watching this as I probably did as a kid. Yeah. As soon yeah. as this starts, and I think it's like you were saying, yes, but there's with modern cinema, you know, you watch everything and it's CG and it's like, yeah, it's flashy effects. But I watch this and it's like, this is so cool, man. All the effort and all the work that's gone into making this scene happen. You watch it and it's just so exciting. And there's that first person shot where it's literally like a roller coaster, like you're on it yeah. with them going up yeah. and down. They've just done everything they can to make this an amazing, thrilling experience for the viewer. And it's, it's a roller coaster. It's, it's so good. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of, I read some interesting trivia that the sound effects for it was actually, they went on the, in Disneyland, I think the Pirates of the Caribbean ride, but they turned off all the pirate sound effects and everything like that. And then they just had the poor <laughs> sound guy just riding this ride around, recording the sound of their tires screeching and, you know, the mechanic sound and the rails and everything like that. And uh, yeah, it's just brilliant, which, which just adds to that whole kind of roller coaster feel. I read a trivia uh, somewhere that said that um, unbeknownst to the thuggy, they've actually already uncovered the other two stones, but not noticed them. Um, and I was looking through the minecart scene to see if I could just see a sneaky shot somewhere where they might be placed in an alcove. And it just was... <laughs> that would have been funny. Yeah. Um, like, wait, 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 wasn't that? Ah! No, that's the last two. Ah! <laughs> I mean, without this scene, we wouldn't have had the uh, amazing uh, stage in Donkey Kong Country on, on the SNES. Yeah. Theater, yeah. yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah. So something this film has constantly done, which I've really appreciated, they did it in, well, in, in pretty much every action scene. It's really good at escalating things. And mm. this scene, like the Minecraft alone is great. And then the break goes, so it gets even quicker. And then the baddies turn up. So now it's the quick minecarts and a gunfight. And then there's a gap in the track, so they have to jump it. And then, do you know what I mean? It's just like, oh yeah. my God, it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger and constantly escalating. And every time yeah. you think there's a moment to breathe, it just takes you up another notch. I love there's a great win moment for Willie here just before that jump as well, where uh, there's a guy hanging on the back of their carriage and he clocks Indy and he falls backwards. So w Willie punches this dude and he flies off the back of the uh, cart and just hits the cart directly behind it and just fucking takes the whole load of them out. So good. It's great. <laughs> and that moment where um, they've grabbed short round and there's now two carts going in parallel on different tracks over lava and he has got like one cart has got the baddies and they've got um, short round's arms and the other cart has got Indy's legs and it's just this kid <laughs> being towed across and I, I don't know like again it's the escalation the extreme of this scenario is yeah. mental. <laughs> Then, it's just amazing, yeah. Yeah, so what I really, really, really like about this, there's that lovely joke at the end where they they finally got away and they're about to crash. So Indy leans over the front and puts his feet on the brakes, <laughs> oh, oh, sorry, on the wheels to slow it down and all the smoke is bellowing off his shoes. And he's like, oh, I've saved them. And then the heat kicks in. He's like, ha ah, yeah. water, 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 water. And the thuggy have broken like a reservoir back in the cave. And you've just been through this ridiculous minecart chase and now there's a flood. And again, it's the escalation that's just gone up another notch. And he's shouting like, he wants water, like water, water, water. Looks down the corridor and there's like a fucking tsunami flood coming. And he's like, water, water, water. Yeah. Careful what to wish for. Yeah. 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 <laughs>
Oh man, but yeah, the scene is like it's really pretty long as well, but it's like it's entertaining from start to finish. Yeah, for sure. It's just pure yeah, like adrenaline. Escalation of like once you think, okay, they've done it, then something else happens, and then oh, they made it through the flood, they're out on the other side, and then oh, something else happened, and it just keeps on building and building and building like mm. that. You know, it's just again, it it's also quite a feat of both. I think the writing and the direction because it could have felt too much for the audience, and and they were just going, I can't deal with this. It's just too much. But it's but they kind of keep it perfectly balanced, which I think is a you know a you know a testament to their to their craftsmanship. Yeah. I agree. If I had to pick a scene from like my childhood of watching films that really stands out as one of the most exciting things, it's from, it's two scenes from this film, and the minecart is one of them. I know people talk about the boulder scene from Raiders being mm. one of the best sort of cinema action pieces ever, but for me, this minecart scene is just on another level. That it's a thrill, an absolute thrill. This scene from beginning to end. Yeah, absolutely, fully agree. Okay, Great so into scene. the next scene that um. As a kid, and even now I watch, and personally this is this is my favourite scene of the film, um, our white-knuckle adventure is about to really reach its conclusion. Indy, Willie and Short Round have escaped and are now about to begin their journey back to the original village. However, Spielberg and Lucas have one last trick up their sleeve and take a moment to deliver a truly thrilling and terrifying in equal measure final set piece. Ambushed by the Mola Ram and his soldiers, Indy is forced back onto the most iconic rope bridge in cinema history. <laughs> High above crocodile-infested waters, with soldiers either side, Indy, Willie and Short Round are trapped for the final showdown. With seemingly no escape, it's time to hand over the holy stones or face a certain death. Let's talk about the bridge scene. I mean, is this the most impressive, most dangerous-looking um, rope bridge ever? Like... It's amazing. <laughs> and this is an actual bridge. Yeah. They yeah. actually built this. And it's strong enough for, for people to actually walk over. Um, it's, it's fucking nuts. Fuck like, nuts. <laughs> I'm yeah, not getting on that bridge. absolutely fucking nuts. <laughs> There's only one thing about this scene that, that kind of really annoys me a little bit, and that's the, uh, the incontinuity between the actual height of the bridge. Because when you're on the bridge looking down, it looks like it's fucking miles down. And then when there's a long shot, it actually doesn't look that far down. Mm. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> <laughs> um, Pretty sure it was pretty high up. I think it was about 150 yeah. foot, the actual gorge they built this thing in. And Spielberg yeah. didn't want to come out onto the bridge to shoot because he was afraid of heights. So, mm. I mean, 150 there's, foot's big. So. Yeah. There is this really funny scene in some of the um, uh, behind the scenes shots of um, where they're at the bridge and um, uh, Spielberg is, you know, he, like, he was okay to sort of go out on sort of like the first part of it. But as soon as you start to go over water, then no, 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 he would definitely hurry back. And then George Lucas was on set as well. And uh, he's not afraid of heights. So he was just really teasing uh, Spielberg and kind of like looking like at the bridge going, yeah, it's fine. He went out to it and, and then he started, and, and and then he starts kind of jumping. Yeah, it's sturdy. It's good. And Strong you can just wood. hear Spielberg like in the back. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, and you could hear Spielberg going, George, quick mess, messing around and get back in here. <laughs> just think it's just really sweet. I, I really like the storytelling on this bridge as well. That, you know, they are backed into an impossible situation. There is literally yeah. no escape. Indy's stuck in the middle. There's soldiers either side. Indy gets this kind of, this smart idea that if he cuts the bridge, he goes down, takes the stones with him, everyone dies, no one wins. And he thinks that's a good escape. So Mola Ram one-ups him and he forces Willie and Short Round onto the bridge as well. Mm. And then it puts Indy in this predicament where it's like, there is no escape now. What the fuck mm. can you do? And then you see this like psychotic grin 
on his face and short round knows what's going to happen. And I think as the viewer, for me personally, I, I'd actually say this scene here is probably one of my favourite scenes of any film ever made. I fucking adore this. It's, yeah. Go on, yeah, Dan, it looks like you want to say something. I used to play this scene as a kid, like hanging from the bridge, <laughs> no. like trying to climb onto the sofa. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's also the, the brilliancy of this scene is that the only way to, to take by cutting the bridge is the only way that he actually does take, which is to, mm. to the surprise of obviously the bad guys, but also to the audience. Uh, totally, man. They, because they kind of go, oh, it's Indiana Jones, you know, he'll figure like, oh, you know, he'll figure like, like a way out, there'll be a big fight scene there yeah. or something like that. But no, no, he actually, he actually cuts it. And there's an interesting throwback to the beginning of the movie because as Willie and Shorty are being forced out onto the bridge, uh, Indy kind of looks at um, Shorty and he's, and he yells in something in Mandarin, and Jody kind of like understands and starts to kind of hold on, lady. <laughs> we go for a ride. <laughs> go for a ride. Um, and uh, in the beginning of the movie, when Indy's in the Club, Ob- um, Club Obi Wan, he greets uh, Lao She in Mandarin, and Lao She says, um, "I didn't realize you spoke my language." And and Indy says, "Only on special occasions." Yeah. Nice. Well, then nice. back in the bridge, that's a fucking special yeah. Yeah. <laughs> special occasion, right? Because he's speaking Mandarin to. Um, and I ran to Shorty, so uh, yeah, I just thought that was an interesting throwback there. Shorty! Chow Chi! Latsu Tanta! No, no, lady, we're going for a ride! Oh my god! Oh my god! Molaram, prepare to meet Kali in hell. Oh, oh that's right. I also really like this this shot where um, Leon, you said they're backed in this impossible situation. You can see he's got no choice, and there's just there's a shot that just kind of emphasizes all of that where they you know he's about to throw the stones he says drop them they'll be found but you won't mm. and then they lead shorty and, and her onto the bridge and he just kind of looks at the camera he's like shit <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> what else do i do like I said, yeah. there's like, a moment as well when he picks the sword up and he's about to cut cut the rope he he literally looks like he's lost his mind They're like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. he's gone it's he like does. this is it this is the moment and she's he like, finally, oh, he's crazy. finally snapped oh from God. all of the shit that's yeah. happening to him and he just goes like, fuck it, I'm just going to cut this bridge. Yeah. And that uh, bridge cut is fucking spectacular. Like yeah, there's, oh yeah. you know, he, he's hacking at it and all the ropes unwind and then you get this long shot of all the people flying off it as it plummets and then you get this close shot of the bridge smashing into the cliff. It's, it's fucking cinema. Honestly, mm. I can't express in, in watching films what I, the feeling I get from this. Like yeah. it's just, and, the cr- and this was an actual so much practical effect they yeah. did. Like this whole bridge they actually built, they you know had set it to detonate. The, so it was so it was held up by steel wires that were that were hidden in, in inside the ropes, obviously for safety reasons. And they had these little charges that were set to blow these cables, and so so that the bridge would actually sort of fall apart. Uh, um, they're in the middle and they you know this was a one shot thing like if they failed then you know that's it you know they couldn't do it they would have need to get like ILM to do it and just the fact that it's a practical shot with you know dolls and actors and everything like that it's just yeah it's just phenomenal it's just 
amazing. How, sh- how, shit, how shit are those archers? Like they, they, yeah. <laughs> they can't, hit, they can't yeah. hit the target for it. The fuck are they paying these guys like, for? Yeah. They're like the storm troopers, right? They can't, yeah, they can never hit. There's another lovely moment of escalation. Like the bridge wasn't enough, you know. It's escalating, escalating. Now the only thing left to do is cut the rope. And he cuts the rope and everyone falls but it's not over. Now they're all clinging onto the bridge on the side of a cliff and he has to have a fucking fist fight mm. with Mola Ram and it's just like, <laughs> when is this going to end? And you see people falling into the alligator's mouths and being torn off. It's, it's nuts. Screaming and everything. Yeah. And the alligator's are in a frenzy. One thing yeah. I found quite funny in that fight with Mola Ram is, that, you know, they're hanging off this bridge with one arm and they're going at it with the other. And it, William sort of like, Indy, cover your heart. And it's like, yeah. well, I hadn't had that idea until they fucking said it. <laughs> <laughs> that was my thought. Like, oh, yeah. damn it. I could do that. Because <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> there actually is this kind of, you know, just like this brief moment where it kind of seems like it's actually dawning on Mola Ram that, oh, I could act. Uh, oh, I actually could um, could do that. And then it's like, well, damn sure if you just kept your mouth shut, yeah. you know, we wouldn't have had that problem. Thanks, yeah. kid. <laughs> Okay, so this scene wraps up. Obviously, our heroes survive. They make it back to the village. All the kids come back. Everyone lives happily ever after. And the Temple of Doom has run its course. It's finished. Um, Has anyone got any sort of particular scenes we missed or any trivia you'd like to share before we move on to our scores? Um, um, An interesting thing that... So I was actually doing a little bit of research on... um, uh, on Kali, who is sort of like the you know the evil like god of death um, here, as well as the thuggy cult, and him mm. forms some some quite interesting things. Like obviously, it wasn't like deep research, but apparently, like Kali, she is a destroyer, but she's a destroyer of evil forces. And um, basically, like what she does is she sucks and absorbs all the negativity and evil from her followers, which is why her uh, skin is sort of like you know it kind of turns you know black and looks. Uh, and looks corroded. Um, and yes, she wears the you know the decapitated heads around her neck, but that's actually a symbol of her dis- of her destroying egos um, yeah. as well. So even though she looks like a real, you know, you know, like you know the gods of hell, or and you know she is actually isn't portrayed as such as an actual evil um, deity, which I thought yeah. was quite interesting. Yeah, and also on the. Uh, oh, sorry, Dan. Um, sorry, yeah, no, I was just going to follow up with what you were saying, really. So um, I feel she gets a bit of a bad rap in this. I mean, when I watched it with, with my dad years ago, he, he said, oh, that's the Indian version of the devil. Um, but yeah, as you say, <laughs> she's actually kind of a bit more grey than that. You know, yeah, I mean, yes, she's a, a destroyer, but it's also about rebirth out of that. You know, she's she's also almost like a symbol of nature and how and time and how things, you know, die and are reborn. And I love that your dad had taken his historical and religious <laughs> knowledge from Temple of Doom. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, uh, I'll tell you devil. what, a son. Yeah, that's Carly. <laughs> that's, that's the devil. Yeah. That's actually quite interesting because, um, sorry, because that actually ties into the thuggy hmm. um, cult um, um, uh, as well, which apparently there are a lot of um, um, sort of uh, difference of opinion around the uh, thuggies as a cult. So apparently the, the thuggy were actual sort of bands of highwaymen and robbers dating back to way back in like the 1500s. And apparently the English word thug actually um, originally comes uh, mm. from uh, yeah. um, from this Indian uh, word here. But there isn't any record of the thuggy uh, having had any kind of religious connection or worshipping any of the gods such as um, such as um, such as Kali. So this actually seems to be more of an invention of the British um, British colonials who were obviously trying to you know stamp out any um, you know, uh, 
Hindu uh, religion and also kind of suppress any kind of um, you know uprising from these um, um, from these thugs. Uh, and also, quite interestingly, last bit of trivia here is that the thuggy weapon of choice was apparently the garot, um, which you know as you know as is seen in the scene with the assassin who's trying to kill Indy in his bedroom by basically choking him from the back, which apparently was there. Um, weapon of choice and there's a funny and there's a funny quirk with this and then history lesson will be over but apparently their preference for strangulation is because of a quirk in the law under um the ancient i think what was it the mukai uh, empire which ruled uh india around the 1500s which whether the thuggies um, kind of came from that for a murderer to be sentenced to death he or she must have shed the blood of their victim uh. but those who were murdered but did not shed um, blood uh, might face imprisonment or hard labor or paying a penalty, but they would not risk execution. Hence, why the garrote. Hmm, interesting. Right. Very go. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was quite interesting. Yeah. And then George Lucas took all of this, tore it to pieces, and wrote Temple of Doom. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just, just to build on what Yes was saying, actually. So, um, I, I read a piece that said that um, partially the uh, the whole British colonial uh, interpretation of thuggy um, being Kali worship, worshippers. Um, may have been born out of possible um, fear or ignorance of the unknown inner workings of India at the time. You know, the, co- the colonies were mostly in larger cities and weren't really kind of spreading into the the more kind of in-depth areas of the country. And they kind of feel that it might have been a misunderstanding about, you know, Indian culture and religion. Um, but building on what you're saying, Jesper, like, I, I think it almost begs a question of what the filmmakers were trying to achieve here. Are they, were they misrepresenting what, Kali and the Thuggy were by mistake, or given the film was set in 1935, are they building what was then accepted as the the known interpretation of the Thuggy? Are they are they being historically accurate to what that interpretation may have been, or are they just glamming it up for uh, artistic merit? My personal opinion, mm. I think they're making a 1930s style adventure film, and they're just sampling bits and pieces of cultures they've discovered and trying to jam it all into what would make an exciting film. Like mm. I, I hear what you're saying, but I honestly, I doubt they were trying to make a representation of anything. They were just like, yeah. oh, that sounds fun. Let's turn our villains into that kind of thing. Mm. And it just happened to represent a sort of Indian culture, which is why the Indians were probably quite annoyed about it because it's like, well, yeah. if you're going to use our culture, at least do it properly. See, I think there's an interesting irony here because I believe they chose uh, Gloria Katz and William Huck to write the film because of their knowledge of uh, Indian culture and then they got the film banned in Apparent India. Knowledge <laughs> so they obviously didn't do you know, the right amount of research. Um, just a last trivia for me that I think is worth sharing as well is because of all the um, problems that Temple of Doom had on release, it was quite dark, it is quite horrific and it is quite violent. And it also, um, in a similar era, Gremlins had had the same issue. Mm. Mm. Spielberg ended up speaking to the classification board and between him and others, this was the introduction of the PG-13. Prior to that, there was a child rating or there was an R rating and there was nothing in between. And Gremlins and Temple of Doom were like the instigators to mm. reclassify a kind of young teenage audience film. So I didn't come across that trivia until researching for this film. But funnily enough, when we were watching the, when we decided to watch the film with the kids, Louise said to me, oh, is it okay for the kids? I was like, yeah, it's a PG, it'd be fine. And then <laughs> I actually found out it's a PG-13 and it's kind of like, oh, actually... Yeah. Last little fact. Originally, it was called Temple of Death, but apparently that was yeah. a little bit too terrifying, so they changed it to the Temple of Doom. You might die. I just get. 
One last, so I'm going to make it my thing to try and find obscure James Bond uh, references to any of the movies uh, <laughs> that we do uh, from now on. And I actually found one for um, for Indiana Jones. Yeah, so apparently to save money on the budget, some of the interiors of the Pancock Palace was actually just redresses of the set that was used for Kamal Khan's palace in the James Bond film Oct- uh, Octopussy, which had been filmed oh, nice. in L Street the year before. So uh, uh, Pinewood Studios, uh, sorry. Uh, so yeah, there's a connection to James Bond there for you. Nice. I definitely don't look forward to that each episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, let, let's let's wrap it up. We've we've watched the film. We shared our trivia. Um, we've chatted about it. Let's get down to some final thoughts and reviews. Who would like to go first? Or I'm going to say Bjorn. Yeah, I, I, think, I feel like I should go first. Um, yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed this this film um it's um definitely now my favorite indian jones film um but i need to watch the other ones again as well to compare um, Classic of, i don't think i've ever seen it before. yeah well i've definitely <laughs> seen it but, but as i said i only had like fractions of things i remembered from them um but yeah it's a fun film i, I especially like the the beginning and the end um some parts of the middle as well but I felt like, yeah, the beginning is super strong because it's just like, you know, this, the pace is just like incredibly high and things are happening and the action is, is great. Uh, so for that reason, yeah, I would, I would definitely give this film uh, a, a nine. Nice. Yeah. I, I didn't actually see that coming from you. Cool. Yeah. I was debating between an eight and a nine, but uh, I, th- I think it pushes it over the edge for, to a nine. So Yeah, very yeah. cool. Who would like to go next? Uh, I'm happy to go. Uh, I will do a nine uh, as well. I don't think that's much of a surprise. Um, again, I have a lot of really fun memories of watching this over and over and over again um, when I was a kid. Watching it again has just cemented what a great film this is, not just story-wise and uh, you know, just character-wise, like Indiana Jones is a great character, um, but also, again, uh, and I've touched upon this uh, previously, like one of the things that I really like about what uh, about doing this podcast is also we get to see these movies again and start to really appreciate the actual craftsmanship uh, of this. And uh, this is, without doubt, one of the finest crafters crafted movies uh, ever. And uh, yeah, a big solid nine uh, for me. In fact, I'm probably going to go watch it again um, straight after we've um, you know done this. Awesome. Uh, Dan, to you. Yeah, I'm going to go with a nine as well. Um, this is a really inspirational film for me. It was a really big component of my childhood. Um, I think the Indiana Jones series, along with films like Clash of the Titans, Station of the Argonauts, um, those types of films, you know, uh, made a big impression on me in terms of my interest in history and mythology, um, mm. and also in, in terms of, you know, Jason the Argonauts animation, um, you know, which had a big impact on my career. Um, I used to play these games, you know, as a kid, you know, physically outside of town as Indiana Jones, you know, climb the bridge onto my sofa <laughs> and whatnot. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I love this film. This is probably my favourite of the series. It gets a bit of a bad rap, probably because of some misrepresentation stuff. But I think in the context of the whole film, it's just a big adventure. It's just fun. Um, and yeah, some of the set pieces in this are the best you'll find in cinema, for sure. Yeah, nice. Well, look, I think this is the first time we've all ever come up with the same score, but I'm also mm-hmm. going to give it in line. Um, for me, the, the reason I chose this film over Raiders or Crusade is because I think... Um, you know, this is normally the outlier, this one. And I think the other films are probably better, like films, scripts, stories, stronger structure. But what I like about Temple of Doom is it's more pulpy and comic booky, and it's just, mm-hmm. 
it's just sort of cinema. It's just pure fucking action and horror and like it's just trying to be awesome. Whereas I think the others are, are better at being good films. And for that reason, this I just I just get so much joy from it. Like it it'll be one of the most fun action scenes I've ever seen and then one of the most fun horror scenes I've ever seen and then one of the most fun you know thrilling scenes I've ever seen it's just fun from beginning to end so yeah 9 out of 10 fucking great film 9 from all of us um, nice yeah. Temple of Doom 4 nines. Temple of Doom something I find interesting about this film is that uh, Spielberg laments on it a little bit because it was so dark but it's a, a thing he would continue later in life with The Lost World which is also really fucking nasty compared to Jurassic mm, Park yeah. so yeah. apparently the darkness came from we probably should have said this in the trivia but um george lucas had had success with empire being a slightly darker sequel to star wars mm. and he wanted to repeat that with temple being a slightly darker sequel to raiders yeah and, that, and they also took a dark turn. both both were going through divorces at the time uh mm. which kind of they admitted kind of affected their uh their mood a bit yeah and, probably, and probably why willie scott gets bullied so much as well <laughs> yeah probably but she ended up she ended up marrying spielberg yeah yeah exactly yeah it wasn't okay, slightly look. dark it was a lot fucking dark <laughs> yeah was. we have to come up for the next film and i think yeah. bjorn it might yeah. be yes. your turn so actually I, I have decided on on the next film and it actually Which has lucky yeah it's just so just so happens and uh, <laughs> i'm gonna go with um black rain from 1989 directed by ridley okay. scott and starring Michael Douglas and actually uh, Willie from uh, from from this movie. Ah, you just no watch, way. yeah, Kate no, no Show. I've not actually seen this. I know nothing about it. Yeah, that is a good choice. Yeah, I, 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 I remember seeing this a long time ago, but I remember sort of bits of it. So I'm looking forward to seeing this um, uh, again. I watched it for the fir- first time uh, two days ago, and uh, I really liked it. And I think you guys will enjoy it as well. It's cool, it's, man. Uh, definitely right up our alley. Being really Scott, if anything, the cinematography should be really nice. Yeah, so. it is. It is. And it's Japan, so it's it's cool. I mean, if it's anything <laughs> like Ridley match. Scott's newer films, it'll be a fucking mess. <laughs> <True>. <laughs> and on that but note, yeah. let's finish. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, cool. Thanks for another great podcast, guys. Really yep. enjoyed it. And see you all, all on the next episode. Next see you at Dangot Palace. <laughs>